Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about reducing screen time in their home. This is Melanie Hempe, and I wanted to quickly just share a little story from this weekend. I just want to welcome everyone that's listening. And, you know, I get a lot of questions about what is it like to raise your kids in a game-free home or how how can you not give your kids social media? Isn't this crazy? And we've been doing it for so long that, um, you know, I have my canned answers. Yeah, it's easy. It's easier than you think. It's fun. There's a lot of fun things that we do instead. And then this weekend, I, I just had another sort of thought as my boys last night were getting ready for um, Spirit Week this week. And, you know, they have to dress up every day as a different theme. And um, and I know a lot of kids get into it, but my kids really get into it. <laughs> they just love the creativity. You know, what can we be? What can we do tomorrow for school? And they go around the house and they find all kinds of things. And I mean, there's 16 year old boys. I don't know. Is this cool? I'm thinking, sure, this is really fun. So what's so interesting is my oldest son never really loved school. He'd had perfect grades. He made great grades, but he never really had that joy. And this is such a big difference that I see with the younger kids. Um, even though they're in 10th grade, they still love school. So if you're a parent out there listening, I want you to kind of do a little check in your brain and think, Hmm, on a scale from one to 10, how much do my kids really love school? Cause you know, they really should love school. That is their job. And this is what kids are doing in this stage of their life. So, um, so the boys, uh, they have a 60 theme going on today and they look quite the part. I will have to say it was pretty funny. Um, so, um, that is one red flag that you want to look for that if your kids hate school, if they talk about the teachers and say things like they're stupid and they don't know what they're doing and I'm the smartest one in the class and mom, I already know all this. I don't need to go to school. These are all signs that they're probably a little immersed or too immersed in their virtual world. Cause that's kind of what the virtual world teaches our kids that, that, you know, they're smarter than everybody else. But anyway, your kids should love school. And I am just so happy today to introduce everyone to my guest, Tiffany Schlein. Welcome. Oh, I'm so happy. I loved your story there and thinking about school in terms of joy. Yeah. That was so great. That's a beautiful framing to how yeah. kids should think about school and interacting with the real world. Joy. And we're just, well, thank you. And we're so excited to have you. I have been so happy getting ready to talk to you because we mm. talked a while ago and just being another mom and being another mom who really cares about this issue. Um, Tiffany is the author of the book 24-6, Giving Up Screens One Day a Week to Get More Time, Creativity, and Connection. And Tiffany, this is what we're talking about, <laughs> this mm. creativity that mm -hmm. I saw that I continue to see from my kids when they're doing their entertainment offline and when they're socializing offline. It is just priceless. I mean, yeah. honestly, I mean, I mean, screens are great, you know, tools for things, but I, I'm just so hyper aware. So talk to us, Tiffany, about your 
passion around this and give us a background. Mm-hmm. Give us some background. I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am so happy to be on your show. I've thought a lot about our conversation a couple months back um, mm-hmm. because I think I love the extreme version that you do, <laughs> but I think I'll <laughs> yes. tell my perspective because I am a tech person. You know, I, I founded yeah. the, the Webby Awards over 25 years ago and the Webby Awards are like the Oscars of the internet. And I ran yeah. them for a decade and was super excited about the potential of technology as a way to connect ideas and people that weren't in the same place. Mm-hmm. And my husband's a professor of robotics at UC Berkeley. So we're very into yeah. technology, but we're also critics of it. And um, we were seeing the way it was changing our attention, our focus. And at the time we had a six-year-old daughter and um, I had this very dramatic week where I lost my father to brain cancer. And then our second daughter was born just Mm -hmm. within days. And it was one of those dramatic moments that I felt like I was like, wait, I could die any day. And how do I want to live? And what am I doing here? And I don't like how distracted I'm feeling. And so 11 years ago, um, we decided to turn off all screens one day a week from Friday night to Saturday night. And mm-hmm. I'm Jewish, but not religious, but that is a Jewish practice of Shabbat, but normally only really like religious Orthodox Jews do a mm-hmm. full day of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, what's the modern version of this for every for anyone? And for us, it's we turn off all screens from Friday night to Saturday night. We make a beautiful meal. We always have friends and family over. And of mm-hmm. course, in the last year, we, we have it outside. Um, but it's a very special meal. We have a beautiful conversation that night. It's very much about the week. What did we learn? What are we grateful for? It's really like a Thanksgiving every week. That's mm-hmm. the easiest oh, way to describe it. I love that. And then, um, and it's always like the deepest conversation. It's always the best conversation of the week. And it's always when I laugh oh. the most, when everyone laughs the most, because everyone's so present because people that come over know that no screens are allowed and, and you, mm-hmm. people are just more there. Their whole soul is there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, the next day, so that's very social on Friday. And I love like watching the kids. And so now our daughters, just to give you a sense, are 17 years old and 11. And the way they're able to hold a conversation at a table, and it's one conversation with adults and kids. It's not like there's a kid's table. And the way that they're able, you know, not having that phone, which you, you don't realize how much at any mm-hmm. dinner or out people just have it right in their hand and how it's such a quick fix to jump out of the being present. So anyway, so yeah. Friday night's very social and beautiful and wonderful. Just to say that what you just said, um, it's just the presence of the phone, right? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. even if it's not like buzzing, it, there's something about just having it in your pocket and feeling it or seeing it on the table, right? Talk about that in yeah. just a second. Even by seeing a phone off on the table, everyone will be less present. Wow. That you, it physically, the visual reminder, because in mm. some ways that phone, by someone having the phone right next to them or in their hand, it's like they have the whole world with them, with you at that moment. Mm. And at any moment, all of their friends, anyone in their family, the news, the world could interrupt that moment. And it's inviting that in, in such a visual way. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here, but I also at any moment could be drawn away from like a million different reasons. So I have all notifications off on my phone. Like I don't have any on. I Because I, we do look at it enough that you don't need to be pinged like out of whatever you're doing. And that that's another interesting point that it takes 20 minutes to get back to what you were doing. Right. 
right. from a notification on your phone. Wow. So, and you know what? It also takes 20 minutes if, if your teenager is doing their homework. Studying. You know, oh, yeah. Your phone is buzzing. It takes 20 minutes to get their brain back into their- To where they were. I mean, Angela Duckworth, do you know her work? She yes, great. very well. So she very had well. a great, um, she has this like thought of the week. Um, she has a great newsletter. And last week's was phone hacking your study space. And she did all this research on, you know, of course, like in the classroom when kids are in school, I don't know if they're in school where you are, but my kids are still mm -hmm. remote half. My daughter's remote all the time in high school and my daughter half the time, my other daughter. But, you know, they would, you have to check in your cell phones at the door. Mm -hmm. And which I even think is a bad idea because just seeing them up there <laughs> is hard. Yeah. But um, what Angela Duckworth was saying is your study space, like there should be no screen. There should be no phone, no social screens while right. you're studying. Your grade will go down a whole grade if you <laughs> consistently yeah. have that next to you. And it's because of the distraction. And it's what you're talking about, even seeing the screen even the step further is even if you have your notifications off, but, but that phone is at Just your dinner yeah. table at your Friday night, wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. Oh my goodness. That sounds every week. <laughs> we have Thanksgiving every week as we should. Um, but just, it tells the other person that they're just not quite as important as exactly right. whoever else may be out there to bother you and interrupt you at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I started doing this practice when I lost my dad, who I was incredibly close to. Mm. And the number one thing people said at his funeral was your dad always made me feel like the most important person in the room. Yeah. Like he was that person that you just talked to him and you just felt like he was all focused on you. Yes. And that felt like when he died, which was right around when the iPhone came out, it's like no one became the most important person in the room. So by reclaiming the space of a whole day every week, um, for a whole day every week, the only people that are the most important people are who we're with. And so you know, at our dinner table on Friday nights, we have friends and family or, or, you know, actually this Friday, it was just us because of, um, it was raining and the pandemic, we couldn't be outside, but we still yeah. had such, we had such a better conversation. There was like, I feel like during the week there's the fighting and there's the, this and like something about setting the table, making fresh bread, having a fun dessert. Like yeah. it's a special night and, yeah. and just there aren't the arguments that there normally can be the other days of the week. What the cool thing is too, is that you're establishing this tradition for your kids. And so they know it's almost like a vitamin dose of family, you know, yeah. they're getting this and, they, and it's not only that they get it every Friday night, but it's the anticipation of yeah. the Friday night. So I when, more. yeah, yes, it's for them during the week, you know, something might be building, they may have some stress, they may have, yeah, something nagging at them or going on at school. And they know that on Friday night, they can talk about it. And it's scheduled. Yeah. And it's, it's a routine. It's a tradition. It's dependable. And mm -hmm it's solid and it may sound corny to people, but it doesn't matter because it's your family and the, and they know, and that connection that you're building with them is so valuable. It cannot be built any other way. Oh yeah. And I feel like my older daughter is about to go to college. We were joking. We're like, you are so equipped to have a dinner party. And yeah. I think dinner parties are like the best thing to know how to do yes, because it's not stressful anymore because we make the exact same meal every Friday and we kind of, <laughs> 
<laughs> everyone knows what they're supposed to do and we clean up together and it's just like it's a it's a beautiful way to engage with people and i think during the pandemic even more so you have to be yeah. so intentional with who you're with and um and it is baked into the week and even if there's social drama or stuff i feel like we can actually let it not only talk about it but we're protected for a day from all the fomo mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. social tension because it is i mean right now they are remote so a lot of their socializations happen online mm -hmm. and there's a lot of you know as we all know it's just it's nice to get i mean i feel like i get a break from the news and the stress i mean especially this whole last year so you know friday night's very social and saturday's very much more quiet like I do a lot of journaling the kids eventually will wake up we read together we always take a big walk together my daughters and I started embroidering, which of course would only happen because there's no screens. We're like, oh, let's do that. And, <laughs> and there's a lot of doing nothing and hanging out, but it's a much more introspective day. And I really value, and you know, sometimes my daughter will say, oh, I, you know, I'm bored. And I'm like, awesome. How does it feel? Yeah. Isn't that a good feeling? Because you're about That's to be crazy. really creative any second. And sure enough, <laughs> she doesn't love it when I say that all the time, but it is the beginning of you being creative like i'm a creative you know i'm a filmmaker and i yeah i i try to create states of mind that put me there which some kids would call boredom but really mm. it's forcing yourself to use all the creative juices in your own brain and not be entertained or distracted or numbed by a game or news or a youtube video and that we want to teach our kids to be comfortable with themselves and to have to make fun out of nothing and be resourceful. Yeah, it's such a gift to have time to meditate and stop and think and do nothing. And that's what you're giving your kids. It's a fabulous gift. And it's uncomfortable, right? It's it uncomfortable for teenagers. Yeah. But for moms, like we love it, right? We love that oh, space. Yeah. I feel like it, I mean, I crave it as I get older. I just want, like, I want that time. But And for kids, trying to articulate why it's important, um, you know, I think that, you know, I think about you and our conversation because I know you have no screens. Well, we have screens. We don't have, let me clarify yeah, that. Yeah, you have no social media. Sorry, you have we no games. No, we, don't do, we don't do our social work or our entertainment work online. We do. Right our socializing offline and our entertainment for the most part. Right. Now, you know, we watch a sports uh, football game or we watch movies. Mm -hmm. We definitely do that. But is entertainment, what I'm talking about is, you know, video games and keeping up with Snapchat and all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I get, I should have reframed it, but I do you have only boys or do I you have, have a daughter? No, I have, a daughter? Three, I have three sons and one daughter. And one my daughter. daughter. How old is she? She just finished college, and okay. so she went through high school. It was with my daughter when I started realizing that I did not want it at the time. I just did not want her to go through the social media stress. I didn't want her to go through that world, mm -hmm. and I wanted to just speak more. My my husband, and I just wanted to have a little more um, time to speak our values and to just mm -hmm. keep her in more of a I don't know. We, we didn't, certainly we didn't overprotect her. She, um, and this is sort of the myth that I think people think, oh, it's overprotected. No, she got really involved in a lot of things and she got um, very good at her people skills because she had to use them a lot in person. And then she was, um, she went on to become a student athlete and had a, a full scholarship at a D1 school. So oh, nice. she did really well. She didn't fall out of any 
you know, yeah. um, life. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I do have a daughter and, you know, with boys. There's just, it does feel like there's a different set of, the, yeah. you know, the gaming just isn't as strong, even though it's funny. I, in the 80s, used to play a game called Wizardry with my brother. This was before the Mac, but I was super into it. And I yeah. know that addiction. I know that addiction even from the 80s when it was before the web. But um, but I guess what I, you know, the big thing I think about a lot right now is how many hours a day are you and teachers instilling ideas and values versus the screen? That's and weird. I think that is... Um, like, I am so grateful for my tech Shabbats. And the reason why I wrote the book, which actually wasn't going to be my first book, I had this other book I was wanting to write. And the longer we were doing this practice that we started calling our tech Shabbats, I and mean, people were always fascinated that we did it. They think, I'm sure it is like with you. They can't believe it. They look like I'm an alien. They're like, yeah, what? their heads blow off or something. I know. Like, they're oh, like, really? They're really happy. <laughs> you don't use screens on the weekends? And like, right. how do you exist? And it was yes. so funny to me how baffling it was. And on the flip side, how amazing it was like our, it's our family's favorite day of the week. It's yeah. the day I feel the most connected with them to myself. It's the day they'll spontaneously say they love me. It's like, yeah, there's just a lot of love and joy in that day that is not it's just not as present as the other days. It's there, but it's just like, that's the day of all the joy. Because you've created a canvas, right? And it's right. blank and you're saying, okay, look what we get to do today. And it's not all filled up with noise. And right. that's why noise. you're getting all this good stuff. I can just tell by listening to you, you sound just like me. Cause I get so excited when people right. say, isn't that terrible? And I'm like, uh, no, it's like the coolest secret in the world. Like I can't it even. It's like a secret. That's why I, I eventually was like, I have to write a book. I mean, it, the longer we were doing, the better it got. Cause there's yeah. kind of pleasures each week. And then there's these long-term additive pleasures. Like I can see yes. it with my daughter who's had, you know, 11 years of it and now yeah. going off to college and she still wants to do it when she goes to college. She's yeah. like, Oh yeah, I'm still going to do my texture bots oh, and yeah. how much it's a part of her secret sauce to live well, to refill the cup and to rejuvenate and self-protection against the news and the media and just have a day to regroup every week is an amazing practice. So I eventually wrote it because I wanted to share it. And it's been really exciting the response because it's been about a year and a half now and people, so many people are doing it now. And, you know, of all faiths, Christian, Catholic, atheist, mm -hmm. Jewish. Mm -hmm. And for me, and it's such a simple, free, ancient thing that is available to anyone. And I look at it as this 3000 year old idea, a day of rest. <laughs> and if you are religious, you know, it's the fourth commandment, like yeah. do not work for one day. And That's what does work look like today? It looks like um, responding to people, getting back to people, posting, checking, all this stuff, which is so exhausting. So it's been this really interesting journey. And I, with my I also share in the book and think a lot about the other six days because I'll tell you they're harder because that visual of the phone is so much closer to me. Like it's much easier for me on Saturday because I put it in a drawer mm -hmm. and on the other six days I do all these mini interventions. Like we do no screens at the table. I don't mm -hmm. look at my phone for the first 30 minutes that I wake up and I write and read and mm -hmm. I do all these other things. So I have all these kind of mini interventions, but mm -hmm. I find actually the complete boundary of no screens just actually much easier to mm -hmm. do and manage. Well, and, and you're, you're, what you're describing is this thing that I really believe in life and especially raising kids and 
having family that um, the best solutions are usually the most simple, the ones that are not so complicated. So if you're having to read volumes of material and search for parental controls and ask all your friends and spend all this time trying to figure out how to manage something, then maybe it's not a good fit. Cause you know, we right. don't have to do this with Legos, right? We don't have to look right. up all the 10 reasons, right. you know, what's wrong with Legos. And we don't have to do this when our kids are reading or when they're doing exercise or something. Mm -hmm. But with screens, if you're finding yourself in a place where it's causing conflict, and if it's not, then that's great. Then you've already got it figured out. But if, if, if mm -hmm. it's causing conflict, if you've got this nagging feeling, you know, in your gut that you're, you're kind of losing your kids and you can't get them back. Um, this mm -hmm. whole idea of this type of a detox, whether it's one day a week or, you know, we have a seven day program that people can join and they do for seven days, mm -hmm. they kind of reset. And then mm -hmm. in our case, after we, we did this, we just, and after all the stuff we went through with our son and the people that, you know, audience knows that story, I just thought, what would it be like if we just paused this part of screen use? You know, we have mm -hmm. screens and we use screens and they have school screens and they do homework and they So have they have them in the bedroom? No, they do not have them in their bedroom. Yeah, that's a no. whole, I mean, that's been a hard thing. We used to have no screens in the bedroom and then the pandemic, yeah. their bedrooms became their classrooms. And so then they did have screens in the bedroom and I keep, and now, yeah. but then about three months ago, we're like, okay, at a certain time, they're all coming back downstairs again each night. And that was great because it started getting very slippery and I keep exactly. reminding them. Yeah, yeah, when this pandemic is over, those there's gonna be all extracted I still have my kids do their homework at the kitchen table on the porch. And, and I'm always very clear that I see their screen and see the back of their head. Yeah. I don't want to see totally. the front of their head. I want to see the back of their head because I want to so see what's see see on like. the screen. Totally. Yeah. So are they in school? Are they like going to class right now? They, they are. just started going back um, this, this year. We had a few weeks here and there that were, were back here at home, but um, they are, in, in school, but we did just like everybody else. We, we did the distance learning and I really stuck to my guns and, and I tell parents, cause that's a, a good question that I wanted to, uh, for us to talk about today is things have changed. However, the, the facts haven't changed and the rules haven't changed around what is best for our kids. And so we've got to figure out, and I have a, um, I have a, a, an eight step sort of tips on how to do a low, tech almost, if you will, experience at home when you're, we're having school and everything's on Zoom. And I think the biggest thing to remember, and I, I'm, I'm sure that you would agree with this, is that it's, it's all about the balanced use of the right kinds of screens. We don't want to balance the wrong kind of screens. That would not be good. So you want to, um, you know, set like a schedule and you just want to say, here are your school hours. And I know you're gonna have some homework afterwards, but you know, after this time, we're going to shut the laptop and you're going to go outside and ride your bike or do something outside, take a walk and, yeah. um, really get serious about that schedule. And I wanted to talk to you as we're talking about the virtual classrooms and the pandemic, because I hear all the time that the parents say, well, you know, they have to let their kids have all of these social media platforms and texting and gaming and all that um, because they're not socializing. And what I have started to see is that that has kind of become an excuse and I'm not trying to come down on anybody because Lord knows I have made every mistake in this space. Okay. I, I am not the, 
angel here with my parenting in all the years that I've tried to do this right. But what I've, what I've seen is um, even with a quarantine, it's okay to have one child at a time over your house or two kids over. Like, I don't understand why people think they can't have anybody over, put them in masks, put them in the backyard, you know, show yeah, we, do dinner we, and a that, movie out in the backyard, right? We, we, we totally, have a, yeah. Um, so I think that we've got to be really careful as parents. And I'm sure you agree that we don't go overboard the other way and say, Oh, well, you know, we're going to relax all of our rules. And now you can just be on your text nine hours a day. And honestly, Tiffany, I think texting and group texting that falls into the same category because they should be talking to their friends on the phone and using those social skills. And my boys now have a taught text phone. We use gab phone. So there's, yeah, we have a gab phone. Yeah. We're gab. Yeah. Well, yeah, same thing. So you're, so you and I are very much in agreement on. We're very similar. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I, you know, we got a puppy um, at the beginning oh, of the pandemic, perfect. which was one of the best, best things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause every day they're like, I'm going to go take Rosie for a walk. Yay. And it's like, yay. <laughs> and she has a couple friends with dogs. So they take the dogs out. But yeah. um, it's interesting because my younger daughter's very social and she and her friends, which I've loved, they do after school, they go meet and they're outside. Now I don't, I'm not seeing if I tell her, I mean, she doesn't have, she has a gab phone, but most of her friends have iPhones, which was a really hard thing yeah. because a couple years ago with my older daughter, we were the only family that she had a flip phone until she was a sophomore and they didn't have gab phones then, you know, right. right. Um, but then the wait till eighth program, which I'm sure you've talked about where people parents sign and pledge and so many people signed it in my my younger daughter's class I was like finally I'm not alone and we all signed this pledge we're not going to get them smartphones until I, eighth grade whatever and then the pandemic happened and almost all of those fellow parents got their kids phones and I was like oh my gosh yeah. but I'm you know because that's like the worst if you if you look at developmental science and you look at adolescence you know eighth grade is um I, I won't say eighth grade I'll say 14 ish is the age where girls feel the most pain from rejection. Like that's just like a scientific fact. And, um, it's also that whole stage of adolescence is when they're hard. hard, Yeah. And they're trying to find themselves and they're trying to figure out what group they're going to identify with. And the last thing, like what you said, I've been taking notes and the last one thing you just said a few minutes ago was that you want to be, your parents should should be filling that time. It's the amount of time they spend away from you. What did you say? Um, let's see what about the edge, like the amount of hours. Yeah. The amount of hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if they're spending, you know, it's not about that the screens are bad, right? It's about the time. Right. How many hours, like who's shaping your child? Is it you and the teachers or is it peers and videos they're watching on YouTube or or TikTok, and that I wrestle with that because um, so the, exa- the over exaggeration, right? You have two girls, and yeah. I, I'm I'm guessing like that you would agree that they can tend to at times to sort of over exaggerate, right? Um, yeah, this is sort of a. I mean, boys do too, but girls. I have, I have a daughter, and it kind of comes out in a very emotional. You know, everybody mm-hmm. in the world hates me, and all the mm-hmm. and everybody thinks I'm ugly, and you know, mm-hmm. they kind of over exaggerate this thing, and this is this phone becomes this weapon and, right, and this distortion tool of comparison. Yes, and I know. And so, but what happens 
is they do grow and they do mature. You cannot force it. You cannot have conversations and make them more mature, right? Your kids are very intelligent, but that has nothing to do with their maturity. And we have to help them get through that stage. Um, quite frankly, I, I'm not one of these parents that believes that they have to have a bunch of scarred scars and, and bruises from social media. I don't think that helps them. I think some parents would say, well, you can't be over controlling. They have to learn on their own how to deal with these things. And yes, I totally agree. They have to learn how to deal with them when they are equipped, when their brain is a little more mature. And I think there's so many scars from middle school that we all have. And I, mean, oh. you and I didn't grow up with a phone. Can you only Well, imagine? no, I mean, I have a sixth grader, so she's in middle school and I, and there's all the social drama and I, I remember it. I mean, the clicks and oh, yeah. the different groups and being shunned and accepted and shunned. And I mean, I was so <laughs> scarred from middle school that with my older daughter, I remember sitting her down and being like, middle school is going to be a hard period. I'm here for you. She did not have a hard period. It was so funny. Like I set her up for like this. Good. That's okay. But, but yeah. my younger daughter, I already just see you know, just the, the social dynamics are just A lot tricky. of it is because they have this weapon now because we didn't, you know, they didn't have the weapon before and now they do. And it is a weapon. This is not, not a tool for kids. Let's just get real. I mean, social media is fine for businesses, for promoting the good work that you're doing. It's all very good for that, but it's not for kids. This is not for teenagers. It's good. It's just at the wrong time. So when you layer what naturally comes in that age, and then you layer this uh, social media or even just the mean text and just the access to all this. And what you said, like I said a minute ago, was about the sheer amount of time that they're spending in that virtual world. We mm. need to balance that. We need to pull it back and say, hey, you need to spend some more time here. And that's what you're doing. And that's what I love so much about this, the concept that you have of and what you've been doing with the Fridays and Saturday. You're giving them that break that they will in no way be able to do on their own. See, cause their brain is not able to, it, there's nothing wrong with them. They just, they just can't. And I don't believe that we can train that at that age, if that makes sense. Like, we can't. no, I think that's right. And it's such a, um, I think it is such a break for them of even my older daughter had so much stress, you know, with just high school and getting into college, but we don't let them do homework on Saturday. It's like, this right. is a day, a family day, and it's a relaxed day and it's a recharge day and it's it's not having to keep up with social stuff on that day. It's just a day to be and to be with us. And it just has been yeah. the best thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, there's a, like you said, there's a lot of parenting things. I'm like, oh, I don't have it all figured out, but I've got this figured but out. Got this, 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 this part I've got figured out. Isn't that funny? I say the same thing. It's like, yeah, we got it. And it's so nice to talk to you. It's like a soul sister. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. But just, you know, we never, um, we never argue about screens anymore, at least in the way it's set up now. Like we don't argue about who has what game time and, and come do this and get off of that. So you can do your homework and do, you know, get off. I always tell moms, if you're doing the dishes and your son is playing Fortnite, you got a big problem. In yeah. Your they need to be, do, they need to be doing the dishes. <laughs> oh yeah. Do I don't, the they do the dishes. Yes. I, yeah. I'm a big chore person as yes. a way to instill character and. Oh yeah. It's so good for them. And yeah. so it's not that it's all, that and we all agree with that but it's that during this stage of their life you see your daughter she's about to go to college and let me tell you yeah. it's wonderful but it's also 
it's just sad because if you had not built the foundation that you have built with her, imagine just for a second what that would feel like. It would, you yeah. would be panicked. And yeah, that like, she's leaving. Right. Oh I feel goodness. like this is going with her, that this yes. way of living and knowing it's a tool to reground you each week and recharge and get perspective. And I just know she's got it and she can host these dinners. She can have a quiet day. Mm-hmm. She knows that she can return to herself and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, every great wisdom practice is about being comfortable with being by yourself. Yeah. And I've actually had a lot of people start doing it that don't have kids and live on their own. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just about yeah. being comfortable and cr- mm-hmm. making a boundary around a day to do things differently than you would normally do, which I think is really, I read very differently on Saturday. I, I think very differently. Yeah. It's what you've created. You've built this discipline muscle in your kids and Mm -hmm. they will not get that built on video game play and on their phone by themselves. You, you are building this discipline habit and that will then, you know, translate over into every other area of their life. Well, you know, there's one thing that um, you just reminded me that I wanted to touch upon is that you know, I make a lot of films about neuroscience and I have a lot of um, that in the book. And actually my Mm -hmm. father was a a surgeon who operated on the brain and wrote a lot about the brain. So I was kind of brought up with, and my mom's a psychologist. So they both talked about the brain a lot. And really what what the kids are doing when they're binge watching or um, binge video gaming, whatever, is that you're raising the level of need for stimulation extremely high. It's that Mm -hmm. dopamine reward Mm -hmm. and that, when they turn it off, everything will not seem as interesting because they're, it's like you're setting the bar high in your brain from what you need to be stimulated. That's right. That's and right. that if you create spaces that there's none of that, it like recalibrates what kind of stimulation feels normal. Yeah. It's like a train that's just out of control. Like you can't stop it. And, and especially with social media and with video games, those two things, they, they stimulate the limbic area of the brain, which is the emotion center, the fight flight gets stimulated. And there are some kids that never reset that fight flight Mm -hmm. mechanism and the stress and the cortisol and, Mm -hmm. and it just never stops. And, you know, the way that you have this baked into the fabric and the tapestry of your kid's life is that, no, we're going to stop it. And we're going to all get off the train and we're mm-hmm. all going to take a rest and we're going to relax. And then their brains kind of calm down and reset. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to take them off in order for that to happen. A lot of parents say, well, can't they just play two hours on the weekend? No, you've missed the whole point. Cause it's not yeah. just taking them off for an hour. It's taking them off for an extended period of time. And after we learned all this and did all this, then with my younger kids, I just thought, wow, why would I even bring it back? Yeah. I was like, what's the benefit we're getting again? Oh, wait a minute. There is no benefit. We're crying. (laughs) Everybody's crying when I have to take it away. You know, so we just don't do it anymore. And um, for this season, you know, it's, and you're, it's working out great. And with your daughters, they're going to be so much more equipped. And that's how I feel um, with my kids too, by not having to fuss with this all the time, they are actually shoring up these other good things in their, their brains that need to be shored up, like, like the connections to their frontal cortex. And they're actually filling their time with things that are really valuable right now. I'm not saying that everybody has to go play the piano the rest of their life, but right now, 
you know, during this pruning stage and, and when the brain is figuring out what it's going to be when it grows up, this is a great thing for them to do. Um, and, and we just, we just made that decision to, to take their entertainment offline and, um, and you know what they fill in just like your daughters, they, they fill in those gaps beautifully with things that are helping them grow and just become stronger people. Mm, that's beautiful. It's a lot of courage. I mean, I think what you did and, and what I did, and it does take courage because you're going against modern society. And the thing I'll say to your listeners is that it feels really good when you see the benefits that it takes courage at first yeah. and you have to figure out how to present it to like, I remember um, with our older daughter, she was staying up later and later and it was um, around the time where she was in high school. And I remember just handing her this article that said for every hour earlier you go to bed, mm-hmm. there's research that will show you will get higher grades, yes, that your I've sleep that. is magic. <laughs> and I remember she did, then she started going to bed on time. It was like, yeah. it was so simple. Like I, I think everyone knows their kids are different and they're going to respond to different pieces of information to yeah. make them get why you're a stickler about something. Yeah why you think something is important. I shouldn't have even said stickler, why you value a certain thing. And like, to me, sleep is just everything. Everyone's in a better mood. Your brain works better. You're, um, which is why there's no screens in the bedroom. Because I mean, when I heard that statistic that like, I don't know, 70% of teens are checking their phone throughout the night. I mean, I was like horrified, horrified that they would wake up. Like I wake up in the middle of time night sometime because yeah. I can't sleep. And I do everything to just go back to sleep. I take a melatonin. And I'm like, <laughs> sleep is my, my goal, everything. And yes. if you can figure out the right way to present sleep or just unstructured, no screen time in the way that will speak to them. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times parents, you're right. You have to. And, and I, I know that article well, and I, I used to be the game cop and now I'm the sleep police at my house because oh, I yeah. totally agree. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I am a total sleep police, but I hate, yeah, that's so I, funny. I'm the sleep police. And, um, and you're right. You, you know, your kids, you have to just kind of say it over and over and they will pick up on it and it will click and they will believe you and your job right now is to get your kids to trust you, right. With yeah. coming to you for this information. Well, that I think you're, you're not saying it's so funny because my 11 year old is snuggled with my puppy right below me. So maybe oh. she's also listening, but yeah. that you're saying something not to be the police that you're actually trying to say something that is good for them and will yes. make them perform better with friendships and with school and with everything that you'll just be your best version of yourself. That's right. That's right. And I kind of joke about being the sleep police, but they know that around nine 30, I start making the rounds, you know, okay, where are y'all? What are you doing? Are you about wrapping (laughs) up, you know, your homework, you know, just to provide the structure because they need that. And that's why kids have parents. Right. Yeah. That's what I, I mean. Us. They. I was trying to think of. Oh yeah. Even with our puppy, you know, there's so many things with training a puppy that are similar. It's oh, like the yes. reward system of <laughs> treats or this or that, and it's all about behavior, right? I mean, yeah. as a parent, you're trying to teach them how to behave the best way, or mm-hmm. sleep enough so they will behave the best way, or. Mm-hmm be off screens enough so you can have it so you can behave without them in a good way so it's like 
that's your role. And sometimes it's exhausting, and especially during the pandemic when, mm-hmm. you know, there's not as many normal outlets that you have. Um, I was just reading about how the more extracurricular activities, the better. Yeah. And my husband is, you know, he's ambivalent about how much sports has taken over so many people's lives because mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't spending as much time studying and they're doing sports. And then if they don't get in based on sport, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, but, you can overdo that too. You can overdo Yeah, that. and I, but I am a believer, like the teamwork you learn from sports and, and just mm-hmm. keeping yourself engaged in a lot of different things to see also what you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, the research says too um, that in high school your children should be in at least two extracurricular activities for two consecutive oh, right? years. Yeah, there's yeah. tons of research on this, and that um, and Angela Duckworth has a bunch of this in her book too. Um, and then, but that also that your children should have one stretch activity. So that really got me thinking years ago. Interesting. And, like something that really pushes them that they're not yeah, naturally good at. That it's not just, you know, something that they're really good at, that they learn what it's like not to be, you know, the best at whatever basketball or whatever. Oh, I and love that. that they, That's so good. This stretch activity is what really helps them grow. But um, I want everybody out there listening to just feel relieved and just breathe a sigh of relief. If you're that parent who thinks your kids should be in activities because they should. And I was the parent who, who totally messed this up because I don't know if you remember, if you remember this, but back years and years ago, the word on the street, on the parenting street was that we were overscheduling. Our right. Kids. Overscheduling and kids. Yeah. To bring them all home. So I did, I, I let my son quit everything and he came home and guess what he did? He played video games for six hours a day. And, wow. um, so, boy, so there's a balance. That's what, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a balance, but, um, kids are not naturally, especially in middle school. And this is a whole nother topic for another day, but especially in middle school, they are not going to want to do things that take hard work and they're going to crave low effort, high reward activities and mm-hmm. middle school. You've got to get them through middle school. And so our rule of thumb is you're never allowed to quit anything when you're in middle school. You're just never allowed to quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're going to quit, we're going to talk about it later in high school. <laughs> um, I like and that. So I think about um, all the research on that, that fits right in line with parenting and really all the research that you have referred to on the brain fits perfectly in line with what y'all do with your sabbatical almost of um, screen. So it fits all together. It's fascinating to me how child development, psychology, neuroscience, all these things point to delaying and pausing and Mm. not going a hundred percent full steam ahead on the culture. And it is very counterculture. But like I tell my kids, I've told them this for years. If you want to figure out what to do, you see where the crowd is going and then you go the opposite direction and you'll probably be fine. (laughs) Oh my God. I I love that the counterculture using that term because you think of counterculture in the sixties, but like you and I are very counterculture. (laughs) We're like, we're the new counterculture vanguard. That's That's right. I am so glad that you had this time today and that we could share. I just get giddy talking to you because you get it like oh my so god it's fun. such a pleasure i wish we lived near each other we could have a, a family dinner together because i could have a family dinner <laughs> we are yeah. an unusual we're the counterculture uh yeah. but it's just so refreshing to hear you talk about it um and i feel oh, such a kin- kinship with you and yeah. i hope we can stay in touch because i think 
more oh, we people just need it. Yeah, yeah, we'll to hear. do some more things together and we're going to start yeah. this whole big old movement that's already been kind of started and we're going to make make it um, fun and and cool to be counterculture. And um, if you if you just, we're going to wrap up and oh my goodness, the time has gone by really fast. But if you uh, can think of just one thing that you want to leave with our... Yeah, I think actually I, I want to link it back to how you started when you were talking about your weekend is that I think joy, framing it in joy, that it's not something that you're taking away, but it's something you're giving mm -hmm. back. Love and, it. you know, if, if you want to try this with your family next Saturday, you can do it anytime, to have each person in the family say what brings them joy. And everybody's mm -hmm. going to have a different list and then fill your screen-free day with that and it will become the best day of the week. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Oh, it was so much Jeff. fun to talk to you. Thank you for coming, Tiffany. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to listen to your other episodes. Yeah. <laughs> you, have great, you have a great voice for the radio. I'm a filmmaker. I'm like, she's got a great narrator oh. voice. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I feel very passionate about this topic yeah, so yeah, yeah we're you're screen strong and you don't even know it yet and you're completely <laughs> screen strong and so we're very excited to have you join our little movement <laughs> yeah it's gonna be great oh my gosh well so great to talk to you and have a great week thanks again tiffany and thank you all for listening today head over to our website and learn more about our screen strong challenge and make sure you join our screen strong families facebook group remember we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong. Mm -hmm.